Vincent Werbeck's Derby. It seems like the sunshine is, uh, everyone's out enjoying the sunshine, making the most of every last moment of it. So, um, but it's good for us to gather tonight because that's interesting, is what we're talking about, is gathering. We are, um, and have been over the past few weeks, if you have been here, um, working through our five Gs. We're one step ahead of the technological advance and we are 5G before anybody else. So our vision and values are based around 5Gs. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard them or know them, but uh, we started with grace. That was the first one that we covered um, back at the beginning of June. Uh, just thinking about what it means to be a grace-filled church and a grace-filled people to live out of knowing that everything is about grace and we are saved by grace. Um, the second was generosity, which was about encouraging us to be people who give, to who give generously, who give of our time, our money, our energy, our love to one another. And uh, last week, um, Andy spoke about gratitude, our third G, and um, just about how that transforms every part of our lives. So we're through to the fourth G tonight, which is the one that was slightly had to be shoehorned in. So whenever you're trying to come up with values that all begin with the same letter or you know have some consistency, um, there's always one that you slightly have to wiggle in there just to make it fit the pattern. And that's the one I've got. So it gathers. We want to be a church that gathers. Um, and it actually caused a little bit of discussion, this one. In fact, the most discussion within the team as to really whether this was what, something that we wanted to be, um, give as much value and priority to as to make it one of our actual values. Because we don't, what we're saying with um, gathers being one of our G's is not that our total priority is on meeting together. It's not all about what goes on on Sunday um, in this building, almost as though, you know, hidden away, comfortable, safe in our Christian bubble. That's what our priority is. And that's not what we're wanting to say with gathers being our value. Actually, what we're wanting to say is what goes on in here is important. It is a value, but in order because of what goes on out there. So we gather in order to scatter. And we gather to be fed, to be lifted up, to be built up, to be encouraged, to support one another, so that in the week where we live our lives, the people that we meet, the places that we go, whatever it is that we do, so that we live those lives well, so that we live um, shining bright in everything else that we are doing within our lives. So that's why we wanted to say gathers was a value. It is about what goes on in here and it is about choosing to make this a priority, but it is also about choosing to make this a priority so that the rest of our week is well lived. Um, there's a phrase that my dad, who is also a vicar, um, used quite a lot in his preaching. I'm sure he's nicked it from somebody else. I'm not sure it's an original. But he talked a lot about warming the core and not patrolling the boundaries. So we want our core, our congregation, our church to be warm, to be strengthened, to be encouraged, to be equipped so that we can go out, not so that we are guarding the boundaries, checking who's coming in and out and keeping an eye on that. 
We want people to be encouraged so that they can stand firm, so that they can face all that life throws at us, so that we can go out ready to see God's glory in our weeks and in the people that we meet. So having said all that, where I really want to start is just talking a little bit culturally about the gathered church and about church attendance. And it won't be any surprise to any of you, I'm sure that statistics tell us church attendance is on the decline. Um, There are many encouraging stories and being part of uh, this network and all that we've seen over the past few years here has been... um, countercultural really to what what we see generally and what the stories are that are told about the church so often uh, the church and the people that I meet who don't go to church are, the picture in our head is of a declining institution that really has no value and nothing to say to today's culture that it's really uh, dull and boring and um, not a place that we would want to be But actually, the other place that we have seen decline, and research, um, particularly in in America, would say that we've also seen decline within the number of um, gatherings that committed Christians will attend. So although we are members of a church, and we go along, and we're a part of it, and um, we've committed to it, actually, we don't tend to now attend every week, because... I think life has changed, and we all know that. We know how, um, I mean, you can have in your head maybe the picture, the traditional picture in my head, like the 1950s stereotype of going to, putting on your Sunday best, going to church week in, week out, being dragged along maybe unwillingly to sit through a boring service. Um, that's almost the traditional picture, and nowadays we don't view church like that so much. We, um, we have far more options. I think there we there's just been a growth in how we can spend our leisure time we've got friends and family to visit we can travel far more um, we have far more sports options kids in particular I think are um, have got many more options and that's always a pull and a tension so we can so easily see how the week in week out attendance of church has declined and slipped and it's um The other aspect into that is the online options. And actually, probably, if you listen to um, sermons that are podcasts, they're far better than sermons you might be able to hear in here. Um, You could maybe be spending your evening in a far better way listening to something online um, by somebody, a professional, who knows what they're talking about. But um, you can also get far better coffee out there in Bear or wherever, you know, there are far better options out there online than we maybe can offer in here, seemingly. Although you do have to pay at Bear. It is free here, so that's one benefit. Um, so we can see why it's neglected. We can see why um, church attendance has declined. It does make sense. And actually, having said that it's a cultural thing, we can also read in the passage that we're about to read together, we also read that it was the case in the New Testament as well. In Hebrews um, 10, verse 25, it says that some were in the habit of giving up meeting together. And maybe that was fear of persecution, or because they didn't feel it was necessary, or for whatever reasons. But the writer then was urging them, as he still urges us today, or she urges us today, that it is important for our faith that it is vital for our relationships, that there is something of worth and of value within continuing to meet together, that as the gathered church, something happens that doesn't happen by ourselves when we're on our own, when we're listening to podcasts, when we can worship to 
um, Spotify, music, um, whatever all the options are. Actually, there is value within gathering together. And having talked about all those cultural shifts and trends and decline in attendance and all of that, actually, what I want to say and what I really believe is that the church is Jesus' idea. It was his idea, and he says that he will build the church. So if Jesus has built it, no man can tear it down. So I do believe that the gathered church will always be here. And we might feel like the remnant at times, and we might feel like the culture has totally gone far, far away and really so far from church that it's hopeless. But actually... Jesus has built his church and Jesus will continue to build his church. And the local church is the hope of the world. And more and more so, I believe, in these days when um, people are longing for sanity and joy and peace and so much more than the world can offer. We have so much to offer to the world. We have so much to give that is of so much more value and worth. And actually the church, although it may seem to be declining and um, to be dismissed by the world as not of value, actually we are a light that shines bright, that can stand firm and that can offer a safe haven to a culture that so desperately needs it. So there is some hope within all of that. But why are we here? What is the value in gathering together like this? And I know I realize that I'm preaching to the converted, really, because you're the ones that are here, and you've made that choice, despite the sunshine out there, to be here and to gather together. And although I'm mainly I've been talking about Sunday mornings, Sunday evenings, actually, we're also talking about the times when we choose to gather together midweek, small groups, whether they're um, friendship-based or whether they're Bible study-based or whether they're worship-based or few or large, small or many whenever we gather where two or three are gathered Jesus says that he is there he is present when we gather in his name so there's just three things I want to talk about that I think are crucial to uh, gathering together and crucial for us or what I hope that we would see within our church when we place importance on gathering when we place a value on gathering when we do that I believe that we will gather with confidence we'll look up and we will worship a God who gives us the confidence to come before him. So we gather with confidence and we look up. We gather with purpose. There is a purpose to us gathering. It gives us a purpose and we, it means that we look out to the world around us, to the people we meet. And we gather with encouragement. So we look in towards one another and we gather with encouragement for one another and to, for each other. So firstly, we gather with confidence. We're going to, finally, I've got to the passage. Um, Hebrews 10, verses 9, 19 to 25. That was quite a long introduction. Sorry about that. It'll get quicker from now on. So uh, it's there on the screens for you to follow. I'm going to read it from the screens. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, 
for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the key, the key focus for us as Christians as we gather here is worship, is to draw near to a holy God, to look up, to enter in, to know that we have been in we have been welcomed, that a place has been made for us to be able to come into God's presence, to worship him, to look up, to fix our eyes on him, to take that time, to take that moment as we have just done, to worship, to give thanks, to remind ourselves of who is God in this place. At the moment, um, during on my daily reading, Bible reading, um, pro guide that I'm on, I'm actually in Leviticus, which is a joy. Um, you may well not even have heard of Leviticus. It, to be honest, doesn't really have a great reputation. Um, it's at the beginning of the Bible, uh, it's in the Old Testament, and it's full of laws and regulations and patterns for life and habits and um, a God-ordained kind of ways of living that actually for us nowadays when we read it seems so far from how we live now that really we begin to wonder whether it's really of any value to us or if there's any meaning within our daily lives today. It's full of um, oddities such as, and you maybe this is a question you were wondering about, but it does tell you that you should never boil a goat in milk in case you're thinking about doing that. It also tells you how a priest can cleanse a house from mildew. I'm not sure I would call on any of the priests that I know if I had a cleaning crisis. But within the weird and the wonderful, what the book is really... <laughs> I mean, you, you can murmur away, but uh, it doesn't change the facts. You're not chosen for your cleaning skills when you become a vicar. Um, within all of that, what the book is really about is how an unclean and an unholy people are able to draw near and to approach a holy and an awesome God. Back in the day of a Leviticus, it was far more difficult than it is now. It involved sacrifice, it involved blood, entrails, a whole lot of mess. Um, all over the place and actually it even talks about the ordination of priests which um, happened this morning in Derby Cathedral. Our new curate Jenny has been ordained so she will be joining us from tomorrow and I think she would probably be very relieved to not, be having been, to not have been ordained back in the time of Leviticus when you would have had blood sprinkled on your right ear, your right thumb and your right toe. I'm fairly sure they didn't do that this morning which is a good thing. Um, but today, in, Hebrew, in the Hebrews passage, actually what it tells us is that because Jesus' blood was shed for us, it is complete. It is done. We do not need any more blood to be sprinkled over us. Our bodies are made clean because of Jesus. And what that means is that it gives us a confidence to draw near. It means that we don't need to come feeling guilty, feeling ashamed, feeling like we have to hang back. But knowing that Jesus has made a way, knowing that he has cleared the way for us so that we can come. We do not, we're not hidden behind the curtain. 
we are able to come with confidence to draw near to God, knowing that we are welcomed, we are valued, knowing that he has made a place for us, that each one of us is important to him, and that being here together is important. And actually, this gathering isn't complete. It isn't full until each one of us is here taking our place. We don't need to be sprinkled with blood each time. We don't need to sacrifice any animals because Jesus' sacrifice sacrifice was enough. We are forgiven and we are set free. And actually, the passage urges us to grapple with the reality of how we live in the light of what Jesus has done for us, how that makes a difference, how we can come with confidence, knowing that there is a place at the table for us. We can come with boldness. We can come with our heads held high into the presence of the one who knows us the most and loves us the most. So we can gather with confidence as a church and together we worship a God who gives us that confidence, who speaks to us and draws us close to him. We know that he is faithful. We know that he keeps his promises as the passage tells us, and we look up to him to gain confidence for all that is ahead of us and to know that he has made a way for us to enter in. So we gather with confidence and we look up, but we also gather with purpose and we look out. When we gather with purpose, it ensures that we are looking out beyond ourselves We know what Jesus has done for us, but actually we long for others in our world world to know that too, to know what Jesus has done with us, has done for us. And the purpose of gathering is to spur one another to love and to good deeds. The church has always been a place where people meet with one another, where we gather together, where there's support and there's encouragement, where relationships are built. And it is so vital because we cannot do this by ourselves. And if we don't meet together, we aren't, the passage is saying that we cannot be spurred on because actually when we come together, it encourages us. It gives us strength for the journey. It helps us keep our eyes focused because we know that we are seeing one another, that we are seeing people who care for us, that we are seeing people who are going to say, how was your week? How are you doing? Can I pray for you? Can I support you? I'm here with you in this. And actually we worship with confidence because of Jesus, but then we are spurred on to more, to do better, to go further, to love wider and deeper and higher and stronger because of what he has done for us. So what is God calling you to? How can you look out? How can you move further? How can you go deeper with friends, with family, with neighbours, with colleagues this week? What good deeds are you being spurred on to in this week that maybe by yourself would be beyond your strength because you've already tried 15 times and it was hard and you don't want to start try again? but with the support, with the encouragement of a friend who's praying for you, who's with you in it, you can love deeper, you can give more, you can care wider. You can invite someone else in who maybe is desperate to know the confidence that Jesus gives us, who needs purpose to know that this life is about more than what we see in front of our faces, that this, there is a God who is so much bigger 
and gives us a purpose to our lives. And maybe who needs to be gathered into a community where worship is at the heart and authenticity is our body. When um, our oldest, eldest daughter Zoe was four and started school, um, she very quickly, after the first few days, came back talking about her friend called Freya, who um, she mentioned all the time and had obviously got to know quite well. Over maybe about a week or two later, um, Freya's dad came up to me in the playground and introduced himself and said he'd been hearing a lot about Zoe too, which is always encouraging to know that it wasn't just Zoe on Zoe's part, that the friendship was reciprocated. And it turns out that they had become firm friends within a couple of weeks. And even now, Zoe would say her first memory of school was seeing Freya and um, recognizing that she had a hairband that Zoe really liked and going up to her and saying, I really like your hairband. Can I be your friend? And from that moment on, a firm friendship was established that has lasted over the years and has lasted over various house moves. So if you're wondering about making friends, maybe compliment the hairband or something. It seemed to work for Zoe in forming friends. But actually what Zoe didn't know at that point was that um, as she went to ask Freya to be her friend, was that Freya's mum was really ill and that within four weeks she would have died of cancer. And it turns out that Zoe, um, Freya lived three doors up the road from us. And that very quickly turned into a family friend. The whole family became friends. And Freya basically became our fourth daughter for a number of years. And she really, she came everywhere with us. Um, she came along to church. We invited her in. We invited her dad into our family. And um, <clears throat> many evenings he would be there after school having a cup of tea, chattering away about his various um, journey along the grief process and it's a rocky road still for him but he eventually after a number of years went on the alpha course he became a Christian and he got baptized and it was um, amazing to see the transformation really within them as a family but we had no idea Zoe had no idea of what God's purpose and intent was in that moment of invitation, in that moment of approaching in someone and saying, can I be your friend? Actually, all that God opened up and the journey that we all went on through that was incredible. And there is so much more within God's purpose and intent for us and for the people we meet as we look out this, this week and as we go to our places of work, as we go um, with, to meet our family and our friends, wherever we are, there is so much more that God has for us within those moments of conversation. So how is God spurring you on to love and to good deeds? <clears throat> what is he wanting you to do, to say, to care for? Or who, I should say, is he wanting you to care for this week? And how as a gathered church can we spur one another on? How can we encourage one another and ensure that we keep going within this? Because actually, as the gathered church, when we come together, when we are inspired with that confidence to worship and to look up, and we're inspired with that purpose to look out to the world around us, knowing that we have something that is of worth to share, it draws people in, it is attractive. 
in Acts 2, there's a passage at the end of that chapter that talks about the church gathered together and they shared everything and they worshipped together and they met daily and they ate together. And the result of that, of them living together, living out the gathered, as the gathered church, was that thousands were added daily to their number. Because it's attractive, living that life in community, in authenticity, caring for one another so deeply that we would share everything, means that people want to see, want to know more. What is that about? Living as the gathered church or living as supporting one another in that way, gives us purpose and meaning. Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16, I'll read just briefly to you. It's actually in the message version, because it's just beautiful the way it puts it. It says, let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there, on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house, be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So when we shine, when we stand out, when we bring out the God flavors and the God colors of this world, it is noticeable to people around us. It is attractive and it draws people in, it draws people to Jesus. So we gather with confidence, we gather with purpose, and we gather with encouragement. And grammatically, it might make more sense to gather for encouragement. And it's partly that I wanted them all to be gather with, because when you're a preacher, you have to have three points, and they've all got to sound the same, or they've all got to start with the same letter. So we're gathering with in our three points tonight. But actually, it's also important to say that we gather with encouragement. And I really wanted to emphasize that, because we gather to encourage one another. So there is encouragement that you have brought tonight. You might not realize it. You might not feel that you've brought encouragement with you, but there may be something that you need to say to someone or pray for someone or share with someone that is gonna be the words that they need to hear. What have you brought that can encourage someone tonight? In the passage it says in Hebrews, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And we may be here not feeling that encouraged at all, or we may be even on the verge of not wanting to be here or not wanting to come back or giving up altogether. It may have been a tough week. It may have been an amazing week. You may be here feeling full of joy or you may be here feeling despair, full of despair. It may be full of sadness or gladness. I don't know which way you've come, and we've probably got the whole range of emotions within the congregation here. But whichever, wherever you are within that range, actually all of us are encouraged to, um, are told to encourage one another. There's no distinction made in the passage. It doesn't say leaders encourage the congregation. It doesn't say those of you who are feeling full of joy encourage those who are struggling. It just says, encourage one another. 
And it says, actually, as encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And we could so easily say today, even more so maybe than years ago when this was written, all the more as we see the day approaching. Because it feels so much more, all the more needed. We read the news, we see what's going on around our world, we see the brokenness and the pain and the hurt. And we know that all the more we need to encourage one another, all the more Jesus is needed within this world. So we need to encourage one another to keep going, to not give up. Because we cannot do that by ourselves. If we did not meet together in this way, we could not encourage one another. We could not hear those words of encouragement that maybe is what we need if we're not here or if we're by ourselves. And your words of encouragement may be just what somebody needs to hear today. So today and going forward from today as we leave this place and we go out to our weeks, I want to inspire us to see that the value and the worth of continuing to gather together. To know that when we meet, God is present. He is here and he is changing lives and he changes us as we come to meet with him. Stuff happens within us, within our church that wouldn't happen if we weren't here and wouldn't happen if we were on our own. Having started with um, talking about some of where culture is going, I'm just going to finish there as well because I actually believe that what our social media generation is longing for is authenticity, is community, is reality beyond a screen, is something that gives confidence in a world that is so full of anxiety, that gives purpose to a generation that are so uncertain. And that there is encouragement to keep going, to not give up. Maybe when everybody else around us is telling us it's not worth it. Why bother? And everybody else looks like they've got it sorted or that everything else is going well. So let's look with confidence to a God who loves us. Let's look up. Let's keep our eyes focused on him, knowing that our confidence comes from him to draw in. Let's look out to a world who so desperately needs us with love and with invitation to draw them in. And let's look into the people that God has given us. He's given us one another. This is who he's given to, to us, to encourage one another, to spur us on to love and good deeds in these days.